Hey guys, you are listening to the Rima Travel Podcast, which brings the message of Jesus Christ to the lost all across the globe. Today's speaker is our own pastor, Reverend Samuel Donkokwate, pastor of Rima Travel, Bielefeld, Germany. Hope you enjoy the message. Shall we pray? Father, I pray for myself, but I also pray for my hearers. Lord, it's supposed to be the Holy Spirit opening our spiritual eyes into truth. Therefore, I submit and I bring to God these people who are here, who are your people, also under the same light to submit. We ask that your spirit himself will open our eyes and open our understanding, cause us to see the truth and the light of the word. Touch our ears that we may hear. Touch our eyes that we may see. Touch our hearts that we may perceive. And bring, oh God, life out of every situation that we are facing right now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've got a couple of scriptures. And uh, John chapter 1 is supposed to tell you a revelation of the life that Jesus had before he became flesh and blood for us to know. So that when we are speaking about the word of God, one cannot speak about the word of God without thinking about Jesus Christ, the living word, the manifested word. Hallelujah. Okay, good. Now, I want you to turn to the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter uh, uh, 53. And uh, with the reading of Isaiah 53, I want to introduce my uh, title for today's message. Isaiah 53, uh, verse 3 to verse 5. But I think I'll read from verse 1 to verse 5. He says, Who has believed our report? Meaning that believing is very important. So he's asking, Who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Meaning that revelation is also critical. Believing and revelation, they are critical things. For he, who is he? Who know who he is? For he shall go up before him in who the God who sent the word. For he shall go before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. He has no form of comeliness. And when we see him, when we see him, because there was a time when the word cannot be seen. The word can be experienced. But this man, writing ahead of the time when the word will put on flesh, he said, when we see him, look at what he said. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. Hallelujah. Now, I want you to notice that he's not trying to say that the word is not beautiful. But the state in which we see the word actually fulfilling the reason why he put on flesh, in that state, we will not see beauty. Are you understanding? He 
is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4. Surely he has borne our griefs. Or he has borne or carried away our sicknesses. And carried our sorrows. Or carried away our pains. Yet we, whose sicknesses and pains he carried away, he bore away, we rather esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But the truth of the matter is, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. In other words, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we are him. Hallelujah. Now I want to present to you, my dear friends, a picture of this man who later was known to the Jews as the prophet from Nazareth. But to those who believed in him during the course of his earthly ministry, he was known as the son of God. And uh, to as many as experienced his resurrection, they know him as God who is come in the flesh. So this is a progressive revelation. Now my dear friends, my title for you today is the double kill. The double kill. Meaning that there is a medicine, you see, when you are in Africa, there are people who sell some of these our herbal drugs. They can tell you that this drug, when you take it, it will cure hernia. It will cure uh, 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 many, many things. And some of us, we don't believe it. Because one, one drug will cure everything. Hey, that one. <laughs> so we don't believe it. But you see, this is not about what we peddle in Africa. This is about God's cure. Because we want to take a critical look at Isaiah 54. Uh, one of the things I like for you to see clearly today is the fact that God deliberately allowed his word to be put down in writing so that we who come later on to whom the word is supposed to come so that we can receive benefits, we can see that what God said yesterday it's still the same thing he's saying today, and it's still the same thing he's saying tomorrow, and it will be the same thing he will say forever. You see, the good about what is written down is that it doesn't change. And when something is written down and it doesn't change, it means, um, as our brothers and Germans will say, first fetrat. And you and I know that when you have a first fetrat, 
<laughs> it means that nobody can mess with it. <laughs> People who know or economy, they have an economic sense, they know they shouldn't be mess, messing with the first track because it has got consequences. When you play with the first track, it means you are playing with your economy. Something will disturb it. So God caused it to be written so that we will come to understand that he stands by his word. Are you understanding? Good. The Bible says in Isaiah 54, the verse number 3, that, sorry, Isaiah 53, the verse number 3, that he was despised and rejected by men. You know, Jesus, at this particular point in his life, was when people are saying crucify him. That means the picture this man saw was not the picture of when he was born, of when he was in the temple at the age of 12, where he was the smartest guy you can ever think of. Professors and doctors of the law, they themselves can tell that this guy, he doesn't just understand the word. He knows the word. And obviously, what they didn't know was that this was the one who the Bible said any man who wrote a piece of this scripture, he only started to write when when God was breathing upon him. You know, every scripture is given by inspiration of God. Is that not what First Timothy chapter 3, the verse number 17 tells you? Now, what do you mean by inspiration? Inspiration is breathing. Inspire, expire. Do you understand? So God actually breathed on them. And so when they were they were they were uh, writing the scriptures. They were like a man or a woman who is under anesthesia. You know, if you know what anesthesia can do, all you have to do, you don't have to ask this young lady's permission. All you have to do is just you have it in the handkerchief and then like that. I've never been under anesthesia before in my life until very very recently. When they wanted to do a coloscopy or something, they call it. And trust me, that thing, you go fast. You really go fast. You go so fast, you wonder where is your willpower? Because this thing, it just, it just, you cannot resist it. You just. So you see, when we say that the word of God is inspired, we mean to say that God didn't take chances. He was right there. All the time they were right. Everything they wrote in the original language, meaning the Old Testament, everything they wrote in the Hebrew was exactly what God wanted said. And in the New Testament, the Koine Greek, everything that they penned in the Koine Greek was exactly what God wanted said. Trust me, the word of God is true, absolutely true. If somebody ever translates the word into any language and they are doing justice to the word, it would be exactly what God said. So that if there is any statement that is being made, which when you cross-check as a good student of the Greek or the Hebrew, it doesn't go in line with the original thing. That is what God, that is the thing which God didn't say. Are you okay with me? 
The Bible said God have exalted his word above all his name. And please understand that this word we are talking is not just a word. You are introduced to the written word which is called the Logos. But the Logos represents the living word. Because that living word was with God and is God himself. That word has no beginning, it has no end. That word is as eternal as God himself is eternal. That word has no mother or father. Hallelujah. The only reason why the word has to have a mother is because of you and I. The only reason why God has to have a son that is actually begotten. How do you do? You beget. You have a son. You beget him. Uh -huh. The only reason why he has to be the begotten son of God is because of our redemption. Were it not that Adam and his wife went ahead to, to, to commit treason, you know, to, to, uh, to sell out something they received free to give it out. I mean, sometimes if you, if you, if you are giving something, you must have something in return, order. But what did these people actually get in return? Nothing. And anytime you give out something precious and you get nothing in return back, that is what we call fraud. They were defrauded. The enemy defrauded them. It was a four one nine operation. But the fact is, that is what brought trouble into this world. But you know, if you know who God is, you know that as for God, today, yesterday, tomorrow, they are all on the same page. They can always say, always love it. God can see everything from beginning to end. God can see something which you are not seeing 13 years from now. You can see it as if it has already happened. So when God is talking, you must understand that you need to look at things from his perspective in order to understand. Because God will talk about things of tomorrow as if they are happening right now. So this scripture was talking about a man who was far away, over 700 years away, and you are talking as if it is happening today. That's how it was. Do you understand? Now, why is it so important for us to know, especially Isaiah 53, the verse number 3 to 5? Why is it so important? Because it is the foundation of our faith. You can never, never call yourself a son or a daughter of God Almighty unless you understand that in order to become a son or a daughter of God, the thing they call iniquity, transgression, sin, has to be removed from the way. Because the God that we serve is the Holy God. Am I talking to somebody? So the Bible said in the verse number Isaiah uh, 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 53, where am I now? So the Bible is saying here that he has borne our griefs, meaning that he has borne our sicknesses. I'm on the verse 4. And carrying our sorrows means he carries our pains. The word translated sorrows and the word translated grief. I'm trying to tell you, if you are reading from a Hebrew Bible, what you will see. Grief, you will see sickness. And then uh, sorrows, you will see pain. You know what? You never know 
how tight life can be until you are in pain. Try when you are really in pain. When you are in a pain where you get to a certain point where you cannot bear the pain or you feel you can't bear the pain, then you really know that you are up against something. Trust me. That is when, 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 even when you don't know God, you try to call upon God. That's when you will say, if really there's a God somewhere, hey, I need help. I must have help. And I, and I just want to say this. If you, if you ever get into pain, especially pain because of an accident or something, and you get to the pain, a place where you are beginning to feel that that pain, if it continues, is unbearable, you better call upon God. Because you can get to the place where your spirit will slip out of the body. Because when, when the spirit gets to the place where it can't take the pain anymore, it will come out of the body. You know why that is so? Because this body is just a house. The body is just a house for the spirit. So the spirit knows that if you move out of the house, then whatever pain is associated with the house, it's no more. So when you cannot take the pain that is coming against your house, you move out and look for another volume. And that's what happens. So when you are in pain and you can't take it anymore, you are very close to death. Because your spirit can come out of your body. So you can't be in that kind of pain and you don't call upon God. Unless, of course, you want to live. When you know God, you want to live, that's okay. But if you don't know God, trust me, nobody can face God with his sin and still be saved. Pastor made a statement that I find to be very good in that sense. He said, God wants you and I to reach other people for him. And the reason is simply because God is light. In him is no darkness at all. Meanwhile, sin is darkness. So, how can you have somebody that is pure like no darkness at all? How can you have him having an encounter with darkness? The two don't mix. They don't work together. If God shows up to any man when they are in their sin, that's the end. And God doesn't have a, his goal or his aim is not that the sinner should die in his sin. Because, trust me, God believes that redemption rejoices over judgment. So God prefers redemption to judgment. So you see, Jesus came for the sake of redemption. And the Bible said in this verse 4, Surely he had borne our grief, carried our sorrows, yet what did we do? We esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. In other words, people are looking at him. The sinners that he came to die for, they are looking at him and they say, God, don't punish him. Because they feel that that is something bad he has done. You know, sometimes people can look at, I heard that one, I don't know how far it's true. They can look at somebody that has been knocked down by a car in Lagos. A car, and then they say, God, don't punish him. Because they think that if not because of the evil he has been doing, he will die the kind of death he has done. So, people are looking at him and they are thinking that he is meeting his just end. But you see, the Bible said in the very next verse, he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. You know what is a transgression? 
When you transgress, you cross over. You go beyond what is your right. If, if I have a house that is next to yours, and, and there is a there is a there is a wall or a fence separating my house and your house. When you jump into my house, you have transgressed. Or uh, let me put it another way. Without my permission, you cannot come into my house. So when you come into my house, or I find you in my house within my wall, without permission, you are transgressed. And so we as you Means we were not supposed to transgress because what is God's, you can't give it away, especially not without his permission. Just because you are in the house does not mean you can do uh, subletting it. You cannot do that without the permission of the owner. So, the same way, Adam and his wife could not have sold out their right to the planet. Without first informing God. They should be. That is a transgression. Do you understand? <laughs> so you see, he was wounded for our transgressions. That transgression actually means that there should be punishment. He was bruised for iniquities. You know what iniquity is? Iniquity is wickedness. Iniquity actually means transgression upon transgression. Until transgression has become a habit. Then it's called iniquity. It's wickedness. Wickedness is simply somebody that is doing wrong. He doesn't want to change. Now he wants to be known that this is the mafia boss. So it's not a one-time offense. Now he wants to be known that he is the king king of darkness. Ah, that is what you call iniquity. And trust me, God always punishes iniquity. But the Bible said, this iniquity which was ours, Jesus was wounded because of it. How many of you understand that when somebody comes, come and steal, and he has a gun, and you want to take away your property, that if you have a gun in your house, you can use it to protect yourself. That if in the attempt to protect yourself, you kill him, he deserves it. How many of you know you are within your right? Ah. So you see, anytime there is iniquity, that iniquity will have a, a corresponding uh, wound inflicted upon the one that is doing the wickedness. Because trust me, when somebody is doing wickedness to you, unless and until he begins to feel some pain in himself, he's not going to stop. So, so, so iniquity has to be punished. And the Bible said this punishment, God put it upon him. Now, when a person is wicked, there should not be any peace for him. Has anybody read that scripture? There is no peace here, my God, to the wicked. So, you see, the chastisement or the punishment which brought peace into our lives was upon him. So, you see, that is the first aspect of God's medicine. Because here, he dealt with what we have become because of that. And sin will always make you to become a child of the devil. Because the original person who sinned was the devil. So, the mother of all sinners is the devil. So, once you are also sinning, you have become a son or a daughter of the devil. Are you okay with me? Huh? 
So that same punishment which the devil must get because he's the original sinner, we were also entitled to get that sin. This is the reason why if you meet God with your sins, then where the devil was banished to go, you go there. The Bible says hell was made for the devil and his angels, meaning that all those uh, angelic beings who decided to follow him in the rebellion, God created a place for him, for them. And so that place is just meant for those angelic beings who sin. But unfortunately, we also went and brought into the devil's rebellion. So now, the punishment when he's coming to the devil, anybody who is still carrying his sin, like how we carry things on our head, I don't know your country, but where I come from, people carry things, hawkers, they hawk the words on their head. So your words announce you far away. People look at you and then say, is he carrying Donald or is he carrying uh, uh, Akala or whatever. And then they want to call you based upon what you are carrying. Our sin announces itself before we meet God. So, there is no way God could have been merciful to any of us if God had not found Jesus who is willing to take this thing. So, you see, the only way you can become a Christian is if you have recognized that you deserve to be punished because you are a bad person. Because you have made bad choices. And I always say, when you are dealing with God, you only have to do wrong only one time. You don't have to do it twice. Don't think the way we think. The policeman is saying, you cross the red light. You say, policeman, why are you making so much trouble? I have driven for 37 years. Never infringed the law. Only today, that I cross the red light, you are making so much trouble. Ah, why? That one you can think as a human being, but for God, it's not like that. Crossing the line one time means you are guilty. Are you okay with me? So all of us were guilty. We were people whose mouth, sin has stopped our mouth. We couldn't defend ourselves. Jesus had to come and die for us. Because of that, you and I, we need to repent. What does it mean to repent? Change our minds about sin. The one that is still in iniquity, he has not changed his mind about his wickedness. That's why he's practicing the same thing over and over again. But when we change our mind about sin, we now say, Lord, we agree that this thing is not right, it's not correct, and we are caught in it because we are there. Would you please forgive us? And you know what? God cannot forgive sin just like that. How many of you understand what the law is all about? The law is not about me being the child. So when my son comes, and I love my son, and I say, because it's my son, then case, case, what comes? Foolish case. Then you cancel it and then it's going. Mm -mm. The real law is about the fact that when somebody stands there as an accused to look at the evidence and to determine based upon the evidence that this person is guilty or not guilty. So even if he's my beloved son, when he's guilty, there's nothing I can do as a judge. According to the law, I have to condemn him. So you see, God cannot in a just way forgive sin until somebody else has carried the punishment. Because of that, Jesus had to be the one who is to be punished for the wrong that all of us have done. And listen, I want to tell you that the Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. As 
the punishment for our sin. God loved the world. That means there is one gift the world must understand. The own Christ. Because what God has given to you and he has not taken back is still yours. And what you do with it will determine how God will handle it. Are you okay with me? So, whether the world like it or not, God has given to them Christ. So, the sin problem between God and the world is over because they have Christ. If you take advantage of what God has, you get the benefits. Now, if you are here in this house, you cannot be depending upon your own righteousness. You need to personally take responsibility of the fact that no amount of goodness you ever do can cancel the bad you have done before. Therefore, you need somebody who has never done bad at all, sinless person, to represent you and carry all those things. And that's what Jesus did. So that when you now come to Jesus and you are seeing him as the punishment for your sin, then every time you look at the cross, you are seeing yourself in Christ on the cross. And you are seeing the punishment for sin being meted out in full. So that when the Son of God says you are free, nobody can say you are not free. Do you understand? This is how we become righteous in Christ because it is something God has done. Now, most of us who are believers, we will not doubt that, that it is a finished way. That is not we are believing God to save us because he has already saved us. But the other side of the scripture is equally true. And that side of the scripture is what I want to also push down. Because if the one cure is good, the other two must be good. The problem with many people is we are willing to accept Jesus to have our sins forgiven so we can go to heaven. But we are not willing to accept that that same cross and that same event on that particular day on the cross of Golgotha, just didn't do one thing, did two things. That it is that same event which makes us free from sin today, which also makes us free from sin. That is what most of us don't want to accept. But look at it. Look at the scripture again. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. He didn't say we shall be healed. Are you noticing? By his wounds we are what? Healed. Now I want you to look at uh, Matthew chapter 8, the verse number 17. What the writer of Matthew, what he says about Isaiah 53, the verse number 4. Look at it. I hope somebody is getting something. Until you take your time to preach healing, people cannot walk in healing in the house of God. Because most of us, we think of the things of God in the way that is false. A lot of what we think is false. And unfortunately, if anything is false, that is the thing that God will not work with. So we see, we look for results and there is very few. Why? Because we have looked at, we have, we have, uh, see, loopholes, which have to be corrected. So you see, it says here in the verse number 17, 
that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet. Um, let me read the verse number 16 first. When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed. And he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying he himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses so you see compare this one against Isaiah 54 53 verse 4 so that you will notice that infirmities and sicknesses in uh, what do you call it in Matthew 8 the verse number 17 is the same as sorrows and pains what I want you to know is infirmities and sicknesses verse 4 surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows so surely he has uh, borne our griefs and carried our sorrows so surely he has what borne our sicknesses and carried our pains. Are you seeing it? So that you see, we are talking of sickness and we are talking of pain. The Bible said he made him to be seen for us who knew no sin. In other words, Jesus has not been seen at all. But the cause, the real cause, not the same thing, the real cause of sin, God put on Christ, so he became sin. Now, in the same way, God put on Christ the cause of sickness. Not the same thing. If you are a good doctor, you know when you are treating somebody, you don't treat the symptoms. You treat the cause. Am I okay about that? So you are against the viruses that cause the disease. You are against the, the bacteria that cause the disease. Those are the ones that you are attacking. Now, those ones that actually cause sickness, God made Jesus sick with those ones. Now, question I want to ask is, if you want to just get up and say, I am saved, meaning that my sins are washed away with the blood of Jesus, then you are trying to say that the first part of that scripture is true. Now, when there is a scripture and one part is true, why would you say the other part is false? Or why would you say, I like this part, but I don't like the other part? Because if the one part is working, the other one should also work. Am I right about that? So that you see, he who dealt with our sins on the cross, with that same event on Bogota, is the same one who also dealt with our sicknesses on the cross with that same event. And so because sin and sickness, they all are twins, they go together. When God deals with sin, he deals with sickness. Every time Israel, they sinned and they were not repenting, you know what happens? The first thing that happens is they get attacked by some other strange, uh, other strange countries. They bring them into bondage. What is happening? Sickness will always bring you into poverty. Because you see, a man who is sick, how can you so you see, sin, sickness, poverty, they are all part of the same package that Jesus dealt with on the cross. Am I talking to somebody? So I want you to understand that we the Christians, we are only taking one side of what God did for us and we are rejecting the other side. 
Today you may be very healthy, but I want you to understand that you need to understand the word of God. See, God does not heal a man simply because we are laying hands on him. Yes, it's true. The Bible says, is anybody sick? James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anybody sick? Let him go for the elders. Let them anoint him with oil and let them pray for him in the name of the Lord. And uh, the Lord shall uh, uh, heal him. If he has committed any sin, it will forgive him. That's true. But it works only because God has said it. It doesn't work because we are laying hands. So that you see, when hands are being laid upon you, your confidence is supposed to be in the word, not in the hands being laid upon you. that is laid upon people is only a means of dispensing the power of God's word. So you see, laying on of hands does not heal you sin. Now, the next thing, anointing people with oil also doesn't heal people. Why is it so? Because you see, when we anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord, we are doing so because the scripture said we should anoint you with oil. So you see, what we are doing is actually working the way. And I'm saying this because somebody will get up and uh, he has put his confidence in the oil. If you put your confidence in anything which is not the true way, it will work for a time. But there will come a time when God will say, this one has been in the faith long enough. Now you should be able to know how to stand on the way. And that's when, when another time something happens, they lay hands on you, nothing is working. How many of you know that prayer actually doesn't heal the sick? Hello? Yeah, I'm shaking some things. Allow me to shake it so that you get these things well. Prayer doesn't heal the sick. Prayer in itself doesn't heal the sick. Why? Because you see, anybody can pray. And if prayer is what heals the sick, then anybody pray anywhere to get the sick healed. But prayer can only heal the sick because it is a means of administering the power of the word. When God's word has said, pray for the sick by laying hands upon him. And you go and lay hands upon him. What are you doing? You are obeying the word. And so when you obey the word of God, listen, he who learns to honor the word, God will honor them. He who learns to stand by the word of God, God will stand by them. If you ever want to put your confidence in prayer, a time can come when people will pray for you all over, including big, 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 big men. And still you won't have any result. Sometimes people are prayed for and they don't see results. And then we are like, why? Why? God, why? You don't know where the confidence of that man was. Was his confidence in the word of God or was his confidence in prayer? Because his confidence must be on the word, not on prayer. Are you understanding me? Secondly, sometimes, you know, by the time that you are coming, a man of God can see you and say, nay, yesterday you found me that traitor. And from there, when you went to bed, you are having some pain at this part of your body. The Lord is about to heal. That's good. 
the spirit and the word of knowledge. But you are not going to be healed because of the word of knowledge. That is why. Just because a man of God was able to pick the situation accurately doesn't mean you will be healed. You will be healed only because the word says so. Open to Psalm 107 verse 20. I want to kill some things in the church. I want to kill some misconceptions in the church. Because a time may come when all we need is to know God's word and stand upon the word so we can have results. A time may come when God sees that now we are too old to be carried on the faith of other people. And God wants us to stand on his own word for ourselves. If God has honored his word above all his name, who are you to get any good when you dishonor his word? Psalm 107 verse 20. Can we please read it together? He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. This scripture means that when God saw they were sick, he didn't send anointing. He didn't send anointed man. He didn't send prayer. Are you understanding me? God did not send prayer. He didn't send anointing. He didn't send Benihim. He didn't send Ora uh, uh, Roberts. Uh, this, he didn't send uh, William Marion Brown. That guy was very, very accurate in the, in the prophetic word. That guy can see because that guy can tell what happened to him 20 years ago. He can pick everything very accurately. That was his grace. That was the word of knowledge. Very sharp and very accurate. But God didn't say any of these things. You know, because all these things, they are simply facilitators. That a man will come and lay hands on you, pray in the name of the Lord, a man will cause certain things to go. They are simply facilitators for the word of God to work. They are what you call a point of contact for you to release your faith. Do you understand so that you see, for a man to also walk in healing, or be healed, or walk as a healed person, he need to walk the same way he walked when he wanted his sins to be forgiven. Can I tell again? When you wanted your sins to be forgiven, did you go to somebody to anoint you with oil so your sins will be forgiven? Did you go to somebody to, to pray for you so that uh, I'm sorry, let me try to clarify. Sometimes maybe if you come from a Catholic background, then they will say you go and confess your sins to the Father so that you pray for you. But the truth, when you check the Bible itself, is not so. Nobody can pray for another person for their sins to be forgiven. Their sins, when you are praying for them, you are standing in the gap so that God will have mercy upon them. And you know what? When you stand in the gap and pray for people so that God will have mercy upon them, what does God do? He sends his spirit upon them. They begin to feel the presence of God. They begin to, to feel remorse for their sin. And it is up to those people to actually let go of their sin, surrender and turn the sin loose. If they don't want to turn the sin loose, no matter how much the spirit of God comes upon them, their sins cannot be forgiven. Do you understand? So it is the same when it comes to uh, uh, sickness. When it comes to sickness, 
God wants us to receive by faith. The same way we receive salvation, we receive it by faith. Hallelujah. Now, let me try to break some things down. If a person wanted to be saved and he came to church today and I am the pastor, what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to tell him hey, that the word of God said, anybody who comes to God, God will not cast them out. In other words, God will accept them. And then I'm supposed to tell them that God said, if you cover your sins, God will not hear you. But if you confess and forsake them, then you have mercy. So if this person is ready to confess and to forsake them, and to actually believe that the very punishment for those sins, God put it upon Jesus, then this person is ready to receive Jesus as Savior in his life. So, I may use words, and sometimes we use words. How many of you know that sometimes the words that we use say this after me? Sometimes it's misleading. Because sometimes some people can make can say those same words and they don't really mean. They can say those same words and and and, and they are not seeing. They are not seeing. You see, to have your sins forgiven, you need to see your sin on the cross with Christ, so that you can see that actually you are free from sin, so that you can see yourself as a holy woman or holy man of God. So that you see, you can see that you are actually clean. You can feel that the sin has rolled off. That between you and God, palaver don't end now. Palaver, I know that. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that when you come to that place where you actually see that there is no way you can stand before God and God will condemn you because that thing has been dealt with. Ah, that's when you are ready to actually. Uh, uh, Embrace the born again spirit. The same thing happens with prayer. If you are going to, somebody says he's sick, or somebody says he's not well, and you are going to pray for them, the Bible says what? When you lay hands upon the sick, or the Bible says, let this person, oh, let me say this. There are two categories of people who can be sick, either believers or unbelievers. Now, in, 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 Mark chapter 16, the verse number 18. The Bible said, Jesus told them, when you go to preach the gospel, if there are people who are sick, lay hands upon them, they will recover. Is that not what the Bible said? Meaning that that type of healing is meant primarily for unbelievers. It's meant for people who don't know God so that they actually understand that God actually means it when he says he loves them. Now listen, if I go to anybody who is not born again and the person is sick and I preach the, the uh, substitutionary death of Jesus. In other words, Jesus was their substitute. Therefore, they don't have to suffer for their sins anymore. Jesus is their substitute, so they don't have to suffer for their sickness anymore. If I lay hands upon them and pray, they will be healed. But do you know that after they are healed, it is up to them to actually surrender to Jesus and to live like Christians. If they decide to surrender to Jesus and live like Christians, then I can guarantee that that sickness is not coming back anymore. However, if they decide not to live for Jesus, I cannot guarantee that that sickness is not coming back. This is the reason why sometimes hands are laid upon some people, prayer is made for them, and the sickness returns maybe four, five, six years later. You know why? 
because sin opens a door for sickness to attack people. And when you are a believer, you are somebody who has dealt with sin. And so because you have dealt with sin, if you should ever sin, what to do? You confess. Then the door is closed. If the devil wants to bring sickness or some evil thing because of that thing, when he comes, the devil will say, hey, devil, oh yeah, go now. This is between me and my son. It has nothing to do with you. But you see, this person received healing. He didn't give his life to Christ. He's still living his life the same way. When now, devil wants to put the sickness back, where is God going to stand and say between me, it's not my son now. So the sickness comes back. Because this person encountered healing and because of that he should have given his life to Christ. He should have surrendered his life to Christ so that God can now cover him. Listen, we the believers, when we are sick, we get our healing differently. Because you see, the unbeliever is getting his healing as an act of mercy. Believers get their healing as an act of the power of covenant. God said, I am the Lord who heals you. God said, I think in the Deuteronomy 7.14, I will put none of the sicknesses upon you which I allow to come upon the Egyptians. Why? Because I am God, the one who heals you. So you see, for us as children of God, healing is guaranteed. No believer has to die from sickness. The believer dies from sickness because it is the blessing or the benefit he chooses to forego. When we have dinner, you can decide that uh, a sharp can a roast or a sharp can a petite. It's essential. So you don't come to the table, you don't eat. Now you wait, don't eat now. It doesn't mean we didn't provide our food. It's you who decided not to eat. I'm okay about that. Huh. So you see, certain children of God lose certain things because they decide to forgo. If you decide to live a life of poverty, it's a choice. A life of poverty is a choice simply because when you look at Israel's pattern, you will always see that any time there was sin, sickness comes, bondage comes, affliction comes. But every time there is repentance, you will see restoration, you will see healing, you will see uh, uh, what do you call it? Prosperity. That uh, uh, there are crops, you know, everything goes back. So it's part of the package. That we should live our lives in financial sufficiency is part of the package of healing, part of the package of forgiveness of sin, part of the package of redemption. Poverty is a bad master. It's as bad as sickness. They are oppressors. How many of you understand what I'm saying? Has anybody been oppressed by poverty before? Uh, you don't know. Some of you guys, you, you don't know because some of you, silver spoon, wait there for your mouth. The time will go from your mama in Pele. When you came from your mama's room, there was a silver spoon in your mouth. So you don't understand. But some of us, what we pass through, oh, I've gone through difficulty before. 
So I know that money can be a very strong oppressor. One of the reasons why I don't like borrowing things from people is because of that. Because what I saw my mama go through, though she paid, but sometimes the people who come, they like you from come and talk my heart, etc. So I don't like those things. It just disturbs my spirit. So you see, if you don't understand that poverty can be a very, very powerful oppressor, you don't know that Jesus needed to deliver us also from poverty. That same sacrifice on the cross delivered us from poverty too. And so, my dear friends, all I'm saying is, he who believes his sins are forgiven, he must also use that same faith to believe God when he is sick because his sicknesses has already been taken care of. The same way, when he is living in a situation where the poverty is knocking on your door perpetually, the hand to mouth business. You know, I have it today, it goes tomorrow. I work hard today, no savings. Then you know that there is an aspect of your redemption that you are foregoing, you are not claiming. And it's time that you declare war. How does a man or a woman get something which they know according to God's word is already theirs and it's not manifest? How do you get it? I'll finish on that. I think I'll come on this topic again because I'll keep on hitting this topic until some of you get some of these bases. But how does a man get what is according to the word is his? The Bible says by his stripes we were healed. If we were healed, then why am I having these symptoms? You understand? That means the thing is there, but I'm seeing something manifested that is trying to nullify the word. Somebody said, this is what you call a, a false evidence appearing real. If you actually understand God's word, then you know that this thing is false evidence appearing real. Because it cannot be true and God's word can be true at the same time. One of them has to be true, the other has to be false. And trust God. Uh, let God be true in every man life. So when you are in that kind of situation, what do you do? You see, the difference between where you are and where God's word clearly says you are or the difference between where you find yourself now and where the word of God is clearly saying that this is where you are, the difference is revelation. It's called light. The Bible says, well, the entrance of that word gives light. Meaning that when that light shows, that thing will disappear. So, God told Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate upon it day and night. And then you shall observe to do according to all that is written therein. It is then and only then that you will make your way prosperous. Not I, but you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. So you see, one thing that is missing in the church today is what they call meditation. Most people do not understand that what you do with God's word is the same thing you do with the doctor's prescription. Because when the doctor gives you a prescription and you go to the apotheca and you buy, you just come and come and put it on your uh, what you uh, your your bedside or your this thing, and then and then you'll be healed. It doesn't work that they will. Medicine that is sitting on the uh, on the cabinet, you are not taking it in. It doesn't heal people. It is only the one you take in. And you know what? You eat God's word the same way you eat food. 
The way to eat God's word is what the Bible calls meditation. Now, meditation doesn't just mean you are thinking about it. Although thinking about it is one of it. But thinking about it, saying it, talking about it, quoting it. There's a man of God who made a statement. He said, and, 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 and it was very staggering, very, very staggering. But I understand because when you know who he is that is making that statement, you understand. He said, when he was 15, he got an incurable heart disease, which was supposed to kill him. Doctors have given up. Go to a certain point, they say he won't last the night. But at a certain point, of course, he went through a whole lot because he has a small booklet. I went to hell. He actually died and went to hell. And when he got to the portals of hell, where the creatures that were there, they were coming for him. According to him, there is a voice that spoke and he kind of shook the place. And then uh, there was something like a vacuum force that dragged him. So he didn't have to turn his face, but he was dragged that way. Boom! Then they settled him back again in the room. And then, according to him, he just jumped into his body through his mouth. And he was back. Now he can contact the people. But when he came, the mama was crying, etc. He couldn't talk to them. He was saying things they won't hear. But when he jumped into his body through his mouth, now, mama, mama, they can hear. Now, what do you have when you say? Eventually, you know what? He died too, again. So it is through that process he got born again because he called upon God to save him. Then, a couple of weeks later, he died again. This time, did he go down? No, he went through the roof. And when this time he went, God said, no, you can't come. You got to go. Your mission is not fulfilled yet. You got to go. He came back. But guess what? He came back, he was still sick. Imagine God tells you you have an assignment, you come back, you are still sick. Now, what does that tell you? It meant that until this person gets knowledge concerning God's word, though God wants him well to do something, he will still be sick and be in ignorance. Listen, my dear friends, don't play with the word of God. Don't play with the word. The word is everything. Because when you understand the word, you live in the word, the word will live in you and through you. And the end result is you will be just what the word says you are. So, eventually, he is the one who is saying that he now came to understand. Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and 24. What things whoever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them in the heart. Why? Because the 23 says, he who will say to this mountain, be thou removed, be thou cast to the sea. Not doubt, but believe in his heart. Those things that are come to pass, you have whatsoever I say. He never had anybody to pray for him. Because the church he was going to, they didn't believe in it. He got a man of God to come and pray for him. And the man of God, <laughs> because he couldn't talk very well, the man of God he couldn't understand what he was trying to say. And the man of God said, don't worry, my son. It will soon, it will soon be over. Don't. <laughs> he doesn't want to die. They can't to marry him. Anyhow. But the point is, eventually, it is through the word of God. It is through the word of God that he realized that ah, God wants him to be well. If he has to be well, it is through the word. Now, listen, my dear friends, anything can fail you. Laying on of hands can fail you. Uh, 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 anointing with fire can fail you. Having people pray for you can fail you. But one thing that will never fail you is the word of God. The Bible says what? The earth and everything that there is will pass away. But the word will never pass away until it's fulfilled. So the word is the issue. 
So if you want to be healed, meditate upon the word. He said, for over 16 months, I never went to bed without quoting that scripture. You quote the scripture, you talk about the scripture, you quote it. He said he didn't fully understand it, but somehow something told him that his hope is there. So he, he held on uh, tenaciously to the word. That's what it means. When you are meditating the scripture, you are quoting it to yourself. You are saying it. You are saying it. You know what? Hear them man. Because you see, when you believe with your heart, here, the word goes here. It goes into your mind. But your mind is part of your soul. It's not part of your spirit. Your heart is part of your spirit. But there's a connection between the soul and the spirit. So once you have engaged the soul, you know that Egan Van, somewhere along the line, the spirit will catch it. But the moment the spirit catches the word, there will be a flash of light. Because now you will see. How many of you have talked to people and then they are like, oh, now I see. They mean that, oh, now I understand. Ah, that's when the light has come. And when the light comes, the problem ceases to exist. Christians of today, most of us are too lazy. Too lazy. If the doctor told you to be taking this medicine, uh, two tablets, three times a day, do you think you can take it one? And then every three days you take one and you'll be okay. You will be okay. When God's word is there for you to meditate upon it day and night, you do so day and night and keep on doing so day and night until what God says you are is manifested. That's how you have it. Am I talking to somebody? Yes, sir. I believe that I'm talking to people that God wants to do great things for that. And you know, whatever great things God wants to do with anybody, it will not happen according to feeling. Anointing can come upon you, you can feel so, some good pimples, etc., etc. That is not what makes a permanent change. It's the way. Bottom line is, is the way. Mm-hmm. Somebody get me. Yes, okay, good. We are going to stand up and we want to make a couple of declarations. Thank you for taking our time to tune in. For more information on our services, visit our website www.wimachapu.org. You can also join us for our weekly conference course on Thursdays. More details on our website. Also make sure to check our Facebook, Instagram and YouTube platforms.